Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. We are working on time is your friend, money is your friend, energy is your friend, because uh, I've found that the relationships we have with time, money, and energy are just about the most important ones we have in our lives, other than those we have with like actual people and pets and all of that good stuff. But in terms of concepts that we are forced to have relationships with, whether you like it or not, you have an ener- you have an energetic relationship with time. Whether you like it or not, you have a relationship with money, even if your relationship is, I hate money and I don't want to talk about it. And whether you like it or not, you have a relationship with energy, meaning like your body and how much energy your body has and can use on any given day. As far as I can see, no human gets to exist outside of those three things. We're going to have to deal with time. We're going to have to deal with money. We're going to have to deal with energy. Unfortunately, all those things are really intimidating. So I wanted to, um, because these concepts I have specifically... Uh, been working with and thinking about and refining and getting at and going toward, um, I would say, honestly, for about eight years now, there's been something about time, money, energy that just keeps bringing me back and bringing me back and bringing me back. So money as your friend is not about, let me show you how to make six figures in 22 seconds via these magical techniques. Please, please, come on. That's not what we do here. (laughs) But money is your friend is three really simple habits that helped me go from I hate money. I cry when I open my bank account. That's when I open my bank account. But mostly I just avoid my bank account. Um, I avoided opening up credit card statements. Remember when credit card statements were not online and they just came in stacks? Yep. Been there. Done that. I can still see like the pile of credit card statements that I was just too scared to open. Like I have been there. So when I say money is your friend, I grew up 0% believing that. And we're going to talk about that too. And then we're going to come to a place where like, if you're in a sort of combative relationship with money or you're like, I never have enough money, or I don't know how to turn this fucking ship around with regards to money. I want to talk about those things because I have been drowning from a money perspective And I've had to work really hard to make my relationship with money work for me. That's as clearly as I can say it. So you might feel like the the phrase time is your friend is true. 
you might feel like it's a lie. Uh, you might feel like the phrase money is your friend is true and it might strike you as a bold place lie. I am okay with either one of those things. We're trying on money is your friend. You do not have to believe me, but we're going to try on befriending money, if that makes sense. This is not because I love money. It's actually not my favorite. I'm not money obsessed. My people are not, they do not come to me like, I need to make $357,000.42. That is my main goal. Nothing else matters. I do not care how I get that money. I just need that money. That is not the realm in which I operate. The realm in which I operate is I'm really fucking talented. I need help bringing my truest and best gifts and self to the surface. And I would like to be paid money for doing those things. Those are two worlds apart and I fall into category B. So if you want to bring your best gifts forth from within you and be paid for them, then money's going to be involved. And that's why this is so important. It's also important because I cannot think of a single person who operates completely outside the realm of money. Like... The Pope may not directly use like money or have a visa debit card, but he's also in charge of a multi-billion dollar operation. You know, like even people that we think of as divorced from money are very much in charge of a bunch of money. Um, and I don't know of anyone who doesn't think about, spend, save, worry about, or use money to operate their lives. I've seen a documentary about a woman that opted out of money by like working for trade and barter and everywhere she goes she trades or she barters and she doesn't have a home she sleeps in the houses of people at their whim I find that horrifying not because homelessness is horrifying but because that level of instability of where am I going to sleep tonight I do not wish to participate in in that I am a person who needs to know I have a place that I will be sleeping tonight and it is secure more than 24 hours in advance that's where I am, and that requires money to operate. Like, just that basic level, okay? So, part of what fucks with our heads about money, um, and I'm talking to you not as a money expert, which is part of the point. I'm a human. I don't want to talk about your 401k and your stock options and your ba 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 I want to talk about, like, deep in your soul, when I say the word money, something happens, right? And we want that something to be, if not positive, then at least neutral. And not, like, a scarce or, a, it, or not, like, a retracting. Um, does that make sense? Okay, so I'm not coming to you as a money expert. I'm not going to Susie Orm in your ass and try and talk about your 401k. We are so not there. I'm talking about like your headspace around money and why it's important and how we can come to believe that money is your friend. So let's do this thing. Part of what fucks with our heads about money is what we were taught about it growing up. Like what our parents had or didn't have, how our parents used or didn't use money, right? That's just inevitable. Everyone grew up with some kind of currency in their culture and the ways that we were taught to think of and process that currency, whatever it is, whether it doesn't matter where you're from on this planet, if, if you operate within the confines of capitalism, you have a relationship with money and you were taught things about money. So I grew up going to both Protestant and Catholic, Roman Catholic church each week, uh, where I was taught on both sides, I mean, very consistently here, that money is the root of all evil, and that wanting money is bad, that having money is bad, and that giving money to the church is good. Like, it's the best thing you can do with money, really, is give it to the church. Kind of counterintuitive, those two things. Um, it's taken decades to unravel those early money is the root of all evil teachings, 
from the reality of how money operates within spiritual belief systems. So I want to briefly address this issue. So first off, the love of money is described as the root of all evil in the Bible, not money itself. So if we have a sentence and it says, the love of money is the root of all evil, and we just edit so that we don't have the love of in front, and it's just money is the root of all evil, editing and context matter. Words are really easy to truncate and manipulate, particularly by people who have access to a spiritual text of any kind and a pulpit. So just because you heard it from a pastor, a priest, a, a guide, a deacon, a anybody at all that had a spiritual text in a pulpit doesn't make it true or right, right? Because there's always room for interpretation. There's always room for manipulation. And the truth is a lot of this stuff gets manipulated. So if church of some kind, church religious experience, organized religion of some kind messed with your head around money as a kid, I'm going to give you two quick facts and then we're going to talk not about this. So if you are very good around money and didn't get fucked up in church, I'm going to give you facts anyway because I think they're really interesting. Fact number one, remember how the Pope doesn't have a debit card as far as I know? Uh, the Roman Catholic Church is estimated to have assets worth a minimum of $30 billion. So money's bad, money's wrong, and we have $30 billion. Cool, right? Perfect. Fact number two, a 2016 study found that the U.S. faith sector is worth $1.2 trillion, more than the combined revenue of the top 10 technology companies in the country, including Apple, Amazon, and Google. And uh, you can head to kristenkelp.com, and uh, there are links to all of these so that I, you know I'm not just making this shit up. So, money is bad, says religion, but it's also worth $1.2 trillion to the U.S. faith sector. Money is very, very bad, say the places of worship, but also please buy our books, programs, services, belief systems, and political candidates. The good news is guilt trips are included at no extra charge. So I say that as a former Catholic, like the guilt trips. I'm talking about this not to bash religion in any capacity, but to point out a place where you may specifically have been coerced into shutting down around money. It's not good. It's not holy. It's not what good girls do. It's not worth paying attention to. It's not important. It's too worldly. We need to focus on spiritual things. Okay. The truth is that's bullshit. Treating money as purely bad is both untrue and unfair. And it holds all of us back from doing our truest work in the world when you believe that your personal having of money is going to harm you or hurt you. So if you've ever been taught that having, using, earning, spending, or worrying about money messes with your spiritual side, can we just let that shit go? Like, I don't have a big solution. I'm not a therapist, but can we just let it go? Can we recognize that it's there? And can we recognize that it's untrue, that expecting a person or a group of people to operate in a culture that has an economy in which capitalism is happening, to operate outside of capitalism, is nearly impossible, right? And even if you're like, well, I could start a nonprofit, even if you start a nonprofit, you're still going to be working with money. You're going to be accepting money. You're going to be spending money. You're going to be trying to save money. You're going to have projects for money. You're going to have goals for money. There's no avoiding money, even if you go into the nonprofit route. Okay? So treating money as purely bad is untrue and unfair. And we can, in some capacity, let that go. We're going to let that go with actions. Right? So I'm going to talk about that. 
But first, um, tiny 30 seconds of money story. I grew up in a trailer. I bought all my clothes from thrift stores as a kid. The mall was reserved for back to school outfit. Oh my God, how much I loved back to school outfit with like capital B, capital S, capital O, right? And new sneakers once a year. Money was always scarce. I wasn't taught money skills, money tips, money tricks, or even basic budgeting. I didn't know or understand the term trust fund until I was, I don't know, into or through college. I didn't know that existed. I was like, what the fuck is that? That sounds awesome. I want a trust fund. <laughs> um, junior high and high school classes, they tend to be, for me, they were, I was super overachiever. They were super advanced. So, you know, you're in calculus and AP history. You're not in accounting at that point. So no practical money skills are being taught. But wow, could I do calculus? For no reason to get my English degree. Perfect. Um, college led to discovering the world of credit cards, which really amounted to racking up tons of debt with no solid plans for paying it down. Awesome. Perfect. I am so smart sometimes, right? <laughs> and then owning a business has revealed that while I am a consummate earner, earning is never the problem. Saving and budgeting are still skills that I struggle to manage because if I have the money, why can't I spend the money? This is upsetting to me that I have money I can't spend. We see why saving can be difficult if that is your viewpoint. So absolutely everything that I know about money has been hard won like from scratch with no help from anyone. <laughs> and I hope my sharing three ways I improve my relationship with money will be helpful for you. So money habit of magnificence number one, Look at your bank accounts. Um, if you laughed or were like, are you fucking serious or gave the side eye to the device that which is playing this podcast, I get it. This is going to seem like a really small thing if you've grown up without having experienced poverty or overdrawn bank accounts or massive debt, right? If, if your account is always in the positive, checking your bank account is magnificent. Nothing bad there. But if you've ever experienced that warm wash of shame that happens when you open up your banking app and you feel like you don't have control over your life because you don't have control over your money, I get you, I feel you, and this is a big deal. I only know to say this because I actively avoided checking my bank account for a number of years in my late 20s. Like once every few weeks is more than enough, right? Like you check in, hope there's money there, see if you've accrued any overage charges, Freak out and transfer some money if you have, and then repeat the whole cycle again, because money's just too scary to look at. I have been to there. I know you don't want to look at your bank account or accounts when the chips are down. I know that your pulse races, your cheeks blush, and your fingers shake when you log in to see how little money you've got or how much the overdraft charges are for today. I get it. And... The only way to get better at money or to improve your relationship with money is to face it directly. Logging into your bank account every day, even when the bank account balance that's waiting for you is objectively terrible, is better than just avoiding your money reality. Because hoping your money issues will go away or miraculously be fixed actively harms future you. Like you're just passing the buck to a future version of you who's eventually going to have to deal with this, right? It's not going to go away. Nobody's going to come and magically take care of it. You're not going to secretly get X thousand dollars to just make you your life perfect for no reason. You're probably, statistically speaking, not going to win the lottery, right? You're just not. Statistically, you're not. <laughs> so being willing to look your money in the face is a huge, huge step. 
And then from there, we move on to some really simple numbers. Once you're willing to look your money in the eye, this is the really, really huge one that comes after that. So if you're like, I do look at my bank account, boom, awesome, here's what's next. Money habit of magnificence number two, know what's enough. So business owners will come to me for coaching um, and one of the first things that they that I ask is like, how much is enough? And they typically do not know. That's not to shame anybody. Um, so enough is the point at which you can pay your business expenses, your salary and your taxes without drawing from savings or going into debt. Like that's where you are a solvent business. Enough is the bare minimum upon which you can operate a profitable business. It is often a smaller number than you'd think, but you can't know until you actually do some math to find it because everyone's enough number is different. Everyone has different income sources. Like, is your partner paying child support? Does your partner have a full-time job? Do you not have a partner? Do you not have child support? Do you have seven children that you're caring for all by yourself? Do you have zero children? Do you live with your family members? Do you, like, there are so many variables that you just have to do this work, right? So I will happily help you break this down in the Finding Your Enough Number podcast, which you can find at kristenkelp.com slash podcast. Uh, and you can pick up the workbook in which I walk you through Finding Your Enough Number. You want to go to this specific podcast episode to do that. So we're going to dive into your numbers, find your enough number, and take one more step toward befriending money as a business owner. And that is to find your enough number, to take just a really hard, solid look take an hour and just take a look at everything and be like, this is the number that I have to make in order for this whole thing to work. And that number might feel really disheartening. It might feel really impossible or it might feel like, oh, that's not so bad. No matter what, knowing your enough number is better than not knowing and hoping that everything is working out. That I can promise, <laughs> right? Money habit of magnificence number three be very specific about the money you want. So again, when coaching peeps come to me and they want to make more money in business, more is not a number. We spend time getting to a very specific earning number and then we break down how to reach that number in the coming months of business and then that leads to a bunch of tasks that will have to happen to reach that number. So we don't say we want Barbara to find more clients. Based on her enough number, we want her to find 13 clients in the coming six weeks. You see how finite that is, how it's not more, it's X. It's 13 clients in the next six weeks. We don't say we want Krista to book more weddings. We want her to focus on booking three weddings in the next three weeks. The amorphous more can never be reached and therefore you will never feel satisfied with regards to money because you're never going to get there so you can't be satisfied. If the amount of food that you wanted to eat each day was just more, you would never, ever, 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 ever get there because the answer is more. And what we do is enough. So based on your enough number, how many products or services do you have to sell in the coming month? And next month? And the month after that? This is the unsexy way that business is done. You can have all the bells and whistles and coaches and programs in the world, but being an entrepreneur really does come down to knowing your expenses, your income, your tax burden, and your needs, then marketing your work accordingly. Your enough number provides the baseline for running a soulful and profitable business. Because ultimately, 
you can, there are three elements here that you can have. You can have safe, soulful, or profitable. Pick two. It is literally impossible for a business to be safe, soulful, and profitable. Because by definition, being soulful will make it unsafe. Or if it's soulful and safe, it's generally not profitable. Because it's just giving without expecting any dollars to come in, right? So safe and profitable, I literally just don't even bother with safe and profitable. Like, go find a cishet white bro to teach you how to run a safe, profitable business. The people that come to me are generally running safe and soulful businesses, and they want to make profit, and they want to learn how to run a soulful and profitable business. Soulful not meaning that it has to be related to the soul, but that it comes from within you. It is not, I buy this product for three cents, I sell it for six cents, and then I make my billions that way. That's not what we do here. Um, So the people that I work with do not want to make seven figures in the next 22 minutes using these eight steps that are only available through this limited time offer, right? This is not about responding to hype and emotional manipulation and bro marketing. It's really not. It's about creating and nourishing a demand for your work that allows you to be both well-paid and time affluent. Well-paid and time affluent. Because there's money affluent, like, you know, there's lots of people that are money affluent, but time affluent's a whole different thing, right? So we talked about befriending time and the ultimate goal there is to be time affluent. We talked about money and the ultimate goal is to be well paid for your work. It's not about, I need you to hit X figures because how much do you want to work? How much capacity do you have for work? What would be fun for you to do when you work? There's so many more questions (laughs) before I offer you any sort of prescription. But this has to be done. Like you have to have an enough number in order to be able to move forward without a bunch of stress about money. You can absolutely run the whole business without ever knowing what your enough number is. Many, 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 many people do it. But wow, is it scary the whole time. Instead of just, this is what I need. This is how I'll do it. If I need help, I will hire it. Bada bing, bada boom, I'm well paid. So this deceptively simple approach to money allows you to reach enough without having to scale your business to include 17 employees And it gives you the time you need to do your work in the world or to fuck off and do nothing at all, right? So we have some, we had some time as your friend, right? Now we're at money as your friend. And I want to recap the things you can do, which are not at all difficult in theory, but in practice might be very, very tricky because they are not easy things to do. So first, log into your bank account, face what's there, log in again tomorrow, and repeat. You are building a muscle and this will become less scary with time. That I can promise. Not less scary like the third time you do it, which it'll be a little less scary. But if this is just a habit, something that you do every day, within 30 days, it's just not going to be a big deal. Because you'll know what's there. You're not going to be as surprised, right? As like, oh God, what's happening? What is even happening? You're not, that's just going to stop happening because you're going to know what's up. You're going to be able to face it. And when you face it, you can change it. You're going to find your enough number if you own a business so that you know exactly how much you need to make in order to run a profitable operation. And you're going to work backwards from your enough number in order to create very specific marketing goals for the coming months. So instead of, I need to sell 17,000 of these things because that would be nice. Do you? 
How many do you need to hit your enough number? What would feel better than that? What would feel better than that? But generally, the people that I'm working with are not trying to sell 17,000 of something in the next two minutes. And from there, we come to a place of enough. We come to a place of stability. And it's good. It is good. Okay. If you would like me to help you do this work in your business, to help make money your friend, I am in. I want you to talk to me about KK on Tap business coaching. You can grab the details or join the waitlist, depending on when you're listening to this, at kristenkelp.com slash tap, T-A-P. I would be thrilled to help you both define and earn enough in the coming year. And I want to close with the fastest way to stop pursuing more money until the end of time is to complete this sentence if you own a business. In order to reach my enough number, you're going to fill that in, I'll have to sell X quantity of Y product or service. 100% of your marketing efforts can now be focused on that goal or that series of goals if you sell multiple things but to be able to quantify it stops the pursuit of more in its tracks you do not suddenly become a person with billions of dollars obsessed with having more billions of dollars you become a person who knows exactly what you need to get where you're going and because it's an incremental thing you're not trying to go from earning you know, $500 a month to earning $550,000 a month in one fell swoop, right? It's incremental. So it's doable and doable goals get done. So again, in order to reach my enough number, which you now know, I'll have to sell X quantity of Y product or service. That's it. That's how you can focus all of your marketing efforts. If you have anything to say about this at all, you can shoot me an email, k at kristenkelp.com. I would love to hear it. And I would love to hear about the ways that this like helps you or reaches you or that you think about this or is this helpful? Because talking to me is the only way that I know that. I can watch the stats go up and down and it means nothing. So k at kristenkelp.com to talk to me kristenkelp.com slash enough to grab your enough workbook and thank you for listening may you really truly at some point in the coming months believe that money can be your friend may you truly and easily face what is or is not in your bank account may you know what's enough in terms of money in terms of time in terms of energy may you redefine enough in such a way that you are free to run a soulful and profitable business. May you get to a place where you are both well-played and time affluent for using your gifts in the world. Thank you so much for listening and I will be back next time with Energy Is Your Friend. See you then. Thank you for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine, while quietly, or not so quietly, scream-sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format, one gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need 
in November now. And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.